0: Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the
1: hope of things to come. Those who are meek are watching and keeping their garments because they have hope of His coming. There is such a danger, Andrew Murray said, of our being so occupied with the things that are to come more than with Him who is to come. The things that make the second coming valuable and and, 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 and exciting is that He's coming.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5 are some of the most beloved passages of all Scripture. But today, Pastor Xavier takes us all the way to the end of the New Testament, the Book of Revelation, to continue a study began last time of the important seven Beatitudes we find there
1: and how they complement each other. Let's listen. The second beatitude declares the blessing of the dead tribulation saints. Kind of an awkward blessing, huh? He says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Now the context again is important of this second beatitude. It's found about the middle of the tribulation, possibly the very abomination of desolation. In this chapter, 14, we are given more details regarding the 144,000 in the first five verses. John sees the Lamb standing uh, on, the, on Mount Zion with um, 144,000 having the Father's name written on their forehead in, uh, in verse 1. And remember, the 144,000 uh, were sealed uh, in chapter 7. And there they stand with the Lamb of God on Monsai identifying the city of Jerusalem, the city of the living God, in the future reign of the Messiah. These are sealed in contrast to the group that was sealed by the mark of the beast. They stand in sharp contrast. Uh, these also stand in contrast of those who, were, uh, who came out of the great tribulation that are pointed out in Revelation seven fourteen. These are 144,000 Jews. By the way, they're not JWs. Okay? They're not Jehovah Witnesses. They're specified 12,000 from each tribe. They're literal, Jews. Remember that Israel is looking for an earthly kingdom. The church is looking for a heavenly kingdom. There's a great contrast. The celebration of song in 2 and 3, in verse 2 and 3, in heaven, over the redemption of these 144,000 from the earth is recorded, and they've paid the price for... Their faith they've been martyred uh, and verse four uh, the first identifying mark that we've given of the one hundred forty four thousand is a physical state not being defiled with women for they are virgins emphasizing their spiritual purity they follow the lamb wherever he goes and being first fruits to God and the lamb again they are placed in a scenario prophetically as those who will enter the kingdom with Jesus you remember In Matthew 25, as Jesus has returned to the earth, the beginning, we get the parable of the ten virgins, right? And there, five wise prepared and five were foolish by not preparing. But you must make a distinction between the bride that comes back with Christ, which is us, the church, and the virgins that go into the marriage. The virgins is not the church. They go into the wedding. We are the bride of Christ that come back with him. All right? So these 144,000 will be in the millennial also with Jesus Christ, but they're Jews. The second identifying mark in their spiritual state is that their mouth is now found deceit in verse 5. They're without fault before the throne of God. Then John gives us the ministry of the three angels in verse 6 through 13, the proclamation of the gospel. They say, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of judgment has come. Worship him and me who made heaven and earth and the springs and the water. And so in fulfillment, when Jesus said that the gospel must be preached to the whole world, in Matthew 24, 14, we see it here. But many teach today that Jesus cannot return until we, the church, go out and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, if the return of Christ is dependent upon that happening, he will never come. Because more people know about Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola today in the world than Jesus Christ with all our technology. If you've been with us, you know that the book of Revelation tells us that the everlasting gospel will be preached by the angel in Revelation 14, 6 to the whole world. Israel failed in her commission, and so has the church to an extent. Now we go, the Great Commission, but we have failed to an extent. God will do that through the angel. In verse 8 then comes the proclamation of judgment of the doom of Babylon, and it's given in the prophetic eras. It literally fell, fell, as if it's already happened. And the Babylonian judgment is in chapter 17 and 18, as you know. Uh, religious and commercial Babylon. And so the last angel in verse 9 through 11 um, proclaims the damnation of those who worship the beast. And so it's in this context that this second beatitude comes at this time. And it's ascribed to those who are killed in the tribulation in verse 12 and 13. Notice in verse 12, these faithful identify the tribulation saints, not the church. Don't put the church in the tribulation. They're noted as being patient, steadfast, enduring. They're noted for keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, those who are the true saints, those who are true to God's word and personal faith to Jesus Christ. There will be many who will not. They will serve the Antichrist. And then the blessing comes in verse 13. The blessed or happy ones are those who are martyred in the tribulation. John heard a voice from heaven speaking to him. Now, who's speaking? Now, you know John has been telling us about angels... It could be another angel, but the only thing is that John breaks off his repeated pattern of another angel. He doesn't say that. So most likely, this is either the Father or Jesus Christ himself speaking directly because he breaks that pattern off. And John hears the voice say, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. That's a weird statement, huh? But the context makes all the difference. The word blessed again means, oh, how happy. The blessing is to those who die in the Lord from that point on. Death is a blessing at this point. Not now. Be careful that you as a Christian, I don't know what condition you find yourself in, whether it's financial problems, whether it's marital problems, maybe it's physical problems, cancer, whatever it may be. You have to be careful that you don't get into the mentality where you think that you are a prisoner in your body or that it would be better to die and be with the Lord. No, no, no. If you're a Christian, God knows when that time is. And you and I should never conclude that we're better off dying. No. God has appointed a set time for you to... Glorify Him and to be His instrument. You are an instrument of God until the day He takes you home. You as a Christian have no right to take your life. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Every time we see suicide in the Bible, every time it's people who are not walking with God. Every time. So I don't... Give any any acceptance to suicide. All I can tell you is don't go there. No murder shall enter the kingdom of God. You can't take your own life. That makes you a murderer. You're a Christian. You have hope in Christ Jesus. He will glorify himself through your life and your difficulties. He will make you less like you and more like him. He will show you your weakness and his strength. That's what the Christian life is all about. John says they have finished their course. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And so the second beatitude in Revelation Happy are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Lines up with the second beatitude of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to it. Happy are those who mourn. Here's the completion. For they shall be comforted. Both of these beatitudes speak of our salvation by grace from start to finish. From start to finish. The word mourn there in the beatitude on the Sermon on the Mount means heartbreaking lament over the tragic death when people mourn. In fact, the same word is used of Jacob who grieved over Joseph's death when they told him that an animal had killed him in Genesis 37-34. But tragically, too often people use this verse to comfort people in funerals, and they're not looking at the context. Though the word may mean that, words change their meaning in terms of the context that you use them. The context here does not speak about funerals or mourning over someone who died. Like the first one, it speaks about spiritual poverty. Here now, the context speaks of mourning over one's own sinfulness and depravity. We continually, as Christians realize we're not perfect we never arrive on this side of heaven paul says that after 35 years and so it's an ongoing awareness seeing oneself as a sinner before god always why do we have to be reminded of that because we deceive ourselves some people think that they're arrived right. they think that they they're perfect in fact their gift is to find everybody's fault we are to see ourselves in need of an advocate continuously, as First John 2, 1 says. That I have to keep my relationship right. And the more I walk closer to God, the longer I walk with God, the more I'm going to see my own wretchedness. It's like a magnifying glass. The more powerful one, the more stuff you see. You've seen some of those documentaries, you know, you walk into a hotel and you think it looks clean and then they get magnifying glass you see all these creeping things all over you. Whoa! Well, the Word of God continues to show us our failures, our imperfections. The benefit of the person who mourns over his own depravity is stated, for they shall be comforted. Those who mourn before God over their ongoing Wretchedness will be comforted, being reminded that Christ, who has begun a good work in that person, will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. So as I see my wretchedness, I go to the advocate, and I'm reminded that he will finish that work. I'm comforted. I'm comforted by him. I think Peter's a good example of this beatitude, uh, resting in the finished work of Christ as Jesus restored him as he asked him three times Peter do you love me in John 21 he failed miserably he denied the Lord under oath and so likewise the martyrs of the tribulation will be comforted as they come to the end of the righteous works Christ accomplished through them as they rest in the finished work of grace. Did not Jesus Christ say in Matthew 11, 28 and 29 All you who are heavy in uh, labor and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, I'm meek and lowly in heart. I will give you rest. And so we rest in Him. The second Beatitude declares happiness for the dead tribulation saints. That's the context. It has nothing to do with us, the church. Now the first one deals with us. Because we're still here and we're reading the book of Revelation. But this one is in the tribulation, not the church. Now, the third beatitude is found in chapter 16, verse 15. The third beatitude declares the blessing of watching and being ready for the second coming. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. The context, again, of the chapter is the proclamation of the final seven plagues of the bold judgment on the earth. Verse 1 gives us the source of the command. It's from the temple, either the Father or the Son. And then from verse 2 down to 16, you have the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, the sixth bowl poured out. Now, this third beatitude is ascribed to the person who is watching, keeping his garment, so as not to walk naked and reveal his shame. The third beatitude is proclaimed during the sixth bowl judgment to those who are walking in holiness. The time is a great difficult time, the hour of testing that would come upon the whole world as we were told in chapter 3, verse 10, and then as repeated in various verses throughout the book. Jesus said, such a time as will never be or has been in the world. That's quite a statement. Jesus speaking almost 2,000 years ago, of course, was looking to the past history of man. And there have been some horrible times. But being God, he was also speaking into the future that no matter what events man would go through historically, they would never compare to that future date. And we've had some pretty horrible times, World War I, World War II, the atrocities that have gone on in Africa, the Sudan, Croatia. And yet this period of time is going to be so horrible that nothing we have ever known or experienced can even compare to it. A horror of all horrors. It is during this time that these individuals decide to watch, keep their garments, and not walk naked and be ashamed. The warning is to those living near the end of the Great Tribulation from the context. The only way they can do it is by depending on the Spirit of God, just like you and I today. It's talking to the tribulation saint. But as the church depends on the Spirit, they're going to have to depend on the Spirit also. Notice the warning as to those who have not taken the mark then of the beast. And the beatitude regards the Lord's coming, being shortened to the point. I'm coming. And so the warning, Behold, I am coming as a thief. A thief, you never know when he breaks in. They catch you unaware. This is repeated throughout the book of Revelation. Constant warning. I'm coming suddenly. I'm coming as a thief. Now the benefit notice of warning is, Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. Blessed again means happy. Oh, how happy in the truest sense. Here, the Sermon on the Mount. He watches, he gives strict attention. He's cautious because there's potential for calamity, danger. Nobody warns unless there's a potential for failure or danger. What would be the purpose of warning? Then it wouldn't be a warning. It would be an instruction. Instead, they keep, they observe personally their lives to make sure they're not... Polluted, They're not drawn in. And that's what we do as Christians. We walk with the Lord so that we're not sucked into the world. The reason for the warning is lest you walk naked and they see your shame. The implication of being naked in shame, not by having prepared themselves to meet the Lord. How many parables did Jesus give about that? Over and over and over again. Walking speaks of being one with God and progressing Now, the third beatitude of Revelation, happy is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame, lines up with the third beatitude of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to it. Happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Both speak of patient, passionate love for the coming of Christ. Again, the word meek in that Sermon on the Mount, beatitude means gentle, Mild. Power under control, not weakness. Too many people interpret Christian meekness as weakness. You know, it's like, you ever see a big German shepherd or big Rockwilder or something, and then you have a barking nippy chihuahua going, nyang, 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 <laughs> and the big dog just looks down, just, <laughs> I, I just want one bite, that's all. Meekness is power under control. You don't have to do something. You don't have to react. You choose to respond to be spirit-controlled, to keep their witness by the power of the Holy Spirit, living for the coming of the Lord. It is submission to the will and the purpose of God. It is the opposite of self-righteousness and pride. Endurance without retaliation. Patience without resentment. Perseverance without bitterness. Wow. The benefit of the meek person is stated, for they shall inherit the earth, the kingdom age. A.W. Tozer put it this way. God is more concerned with the state of people's hearts than with the state of their feelings. What is the most important thing today in public schools, in work, in professional help? How do you feel? What do you care about how you feel? Nobody is concerned with how are you living? They say how do you feel? Everything's based on emotions. Our jury system now is so bankrupt because people are making decisions by emotions, not by evidence. (laughs) It's not based on facts, but on emotions. There is such a danger, Andrew Murray said, of our being so occupied with the things that are to come more than with Him who is to come. The things that make the second coming Valuable and, 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 and exciting is that he's coming. <laughs> he's coming for me. Those who are meek are watching and keeping their garments because they have hope of his coming. And therefore they purify themselves even as he is pure, First John 3.3. 3. Jesus being the epitome of meekness, said, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Luke twelve thirty two. Little flock. Don't believe all of us will be in heaven. He says, my little flock. Three million came out of Egypt. Two entered the promised land over the age of 20 years. Many call, few chosen. Because people go to church doesn't make them Christians. Because they start doesn't mean they finish. You have a responsibility to your Lord to be that example, to be that light, to keep walking. And so the third beatitude declares the happiness of those watching and being ready for the second coming. These are the first three beatitudes in the book of Revelation. The first beatitude declares happiness as the benefit of this book. The second beatitude declares happiness for the dead tribulation saints. And the third beatitude declares happiness to those watching and being ready for the second coming. They, again, are tribulation saints, not the church. But we can certainly apply this in principle, they apply it to us. We need to be watching. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Make sure you're walking. Make sure you're looking. Because He's coming.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us our salvation is near because the coming of our Savior is near. And you can request a copy of today's study from the book of Revelation called The Beatitudes of Revelation Part 1. As always, you can pick up a copy for just $4 on CD. Now what Pastor Xavier shared last time we were together will also be included. So the title to ask for once again is The Beatitudes of Revelation Part 1. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And letting us know the call letters of this station is a big help, so thank you for noting that when you contact us. The Beatitudes of Revelation has been our topic, and we'll continue with number four next time. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California